Welcome back to our weekly episode of Chronicles Unleashed, where we bring you tales of life, love, and human error. Our characters, fictitious and the real, suffer from the trauma of their drama and then struggle to rise above it. It's the month of March, Faithful, Women's Month. Have you ever heard the statement that behind every successful man is a great woman? So who are these women? Have a listen. If you read The Great Gatsby, know that F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda, may have been the creator of the book's most genius lines. She was often referred to as his muse. But what many people might not know is that Zelda got robbed. F. Scott actually stole excerpts from her diary word for word. She published many of her own works, including magazine articles and a play, but she never rose to the fame quite like her husband did. Then there was Einstein's wife. You may recognize Serbian mathematician Maleva Maric from her former last name, Einstein Maric. Maleva was the first wife of Albert Einstein and many believe that his profound discoveries, including the theory of relativity and scientific productivity, should at least be co-credited to Maleva, who was the only woman at Zurich's Polytechnic School alongside Albert at that time. Despite her brilliance, gender inequalities kept Maleva out of the science books. Zelda and Maleva may have gotten marginalized, but Martha Gellhorn wasn't having it. She earned a bit of her fame from her short-lived marriage to Ernest Hemingway in the 1940s, but got her own street cred as well. Gellhorn, who famously said she didn't want to be a footnote in someone else's life, was legendary as a journalist who set a precedent as one of the first female war correspondents. She reported from all over the world, including Asia and Europe, doing what many thought should have been a man's job. Her work, which includes photographs, news articles, and novels, was a major contribution to world history, and she's celebrated yearly when one outstanding journalist receives an award in her honor. Martha Gellhorn is a continued inspiration for female journalists, having worked as a war reporter. She first reported in the Spanish Civil War as she accompanied Ernest Hemingway to Spain and continued her career after their marriage. Her writing focused on the effects of war on ordinary citizens, and when she encountered barriers due to her gender, she made her own path. For instance, asking for an assignment during World War II after the years of war reporting, she was told that she would not be accredited because female reporters were not allowed in those war zones. Instead, she set sail around the Caribbean to see how the war was affecting people there. Later, in 1943, when female reporters could finally get accredited, though not to the front lines, Gellhorn reported on the activities of female military personnel. She will always be remembered for blazing her own trail unapologetically. Eleanor Roosevelt 
the wife of POTUS number 32 FDR, was orphaned at the age of eight. Her mother died first, and then her father became an alcoholic, attempted suicide, and later died of a seizure. She was raised by her maternal grandmother, and yet, through all of that, she managed to marry FDR, raise six children, take care of a disabled husband, tolerate his cheating, and become one of the most dynamic first ladies of the 20th century. Eleanor was best known for doing what she felt re was right, regardless of what anyone else thought, including her husband. You know, back then, female journalists had traditionally been excluded from serious media events at the White House. So Eleanor helped to do something that was really controversial. She leveled the playing field by hosting a series of ladies-only press conferences, which pressured papers into hiring more women and helped Eleanor win over women voters on behalf of her husband. She starred in a margarine commercial and used the proceeds to purchase 6,000 care packages for impoverished families. And at a time when integration was illegal in Alabama, Eleanor insisted upon sitting directly beside an African-American associate during a conference. Now, after being told that Birmingham segregationist policies prohibited whites and blacks from sitting together in public functions, the first lady asked for a ruler. Then she said, now measure the distance between this chair and that one. Upon examining this gap separating the white and the black seating areas, the first lady placed her chair directly in the center. She sat there defiantly in this racial no man's land until the meeting was over. Someone observed they were scared to actually arrest her, so they just didn't do anything. Later, after the death of FDR, President Harry S. Truman would appoint Eleanor as a United Nations delegate in 1946. In this role, she became a driving force behind the UN's Declaration of Human Rights. It's noteworthy that Eleanor received more honorary degrees than FDR. He had 31, she had 35, and she wrote a syndicated news column for 27 years. She'll always be remembered as that woman who found her voice and never lost it. Can you imagine turning down the proposal of a man who would eventually become President of the United States? Rosalind Smith did. When Jimmy Carter first proposed to Rosalind, she didn't accept. Months later, she accepted his second proposal. And once they were married, she became a powerhouse. One of her strengths was her ability to manage money. She successfully assumed the financial management of their peanut farm without ever drawing a salary. She handled the money when Jimmy Carter became governor, the budget for the governor's mansion. And when she was at the White House, she also accepted the responsibility for handling the White House budget without any hired assistance 
Rosalind raised her three sons and her young daughter. She authored several books. While in the White House, her primary focus was overhauling the state's mental health system. She supported the Equal Rights Amendment and made appearances in those states where ratification was still pending. Her success can best be explained, I think, in one of her quotes. She said, you have to have confidence in your ability and then be tough enough to follow through. First Lady Michelle LaVon Robinson Obama was a boss from the beginning. In fact, she was President Obama's boss before they dated, and some say she still is. The unflappable FLOTUS 44's popularity rating is so high that she was encouraged to run for president. Though she gracefully declined, she remains the darling of the Democratic Party and is credited with this list of accomplishments. Parenting two daughters, becoming a lawyer, serving as an assistant to the mayor of Chicago, serving as the first African-American first lady of the United States, being named 2008 Time Woman of the Year, writing 10 books, developing four major initiatives as first lady, namely, Let's Move, which advocates for healthy families, Join Forces, which supports the service members and their families, Reach Higher, which encourages youth to engage in higher education, and Let Girls Learn, an international initiative supporting education for adolescent girls. She also won the 2020 Grammy for the Best Spoken Word Album. Now that's going high. Sarah Polk was the wife of POTUS number 11, James Polk, and for her time, she was a real spitfire. Sarah had always been ambitious for her husband. In fact, she made him promise that he would run for Congress before they married. But she didn't stop there. She had a robust agenda and propped him up so that she could realize her full potential. Sarah was well-educated and acted as his personal secretary. She helped him with his speeches. She was well-informed and she was able to give him advice, and she did. Once James Polk became POTUS number 11, Sarah assumed her real role as the boss. She was highly organized and arranged numerous social events and parties, but she was very religious. She refused to allow dancing, card playing, or heavy drinking, which earned her the nickname of Sahara Sarah. In other words, she was dry as a desert. Talk about a buzzkill. Sarah was responsible for the remodeling of the interior of the White House, and despite her conservatism, she remained popular and was well-respected. After Polk left office, he died 103 days later at the age of 53 from cholera. But Sarah outlived him by about mm, 40 years, and she wore black every day that she was a widow. In 1852, Sarah took on the duties of raising her niece, and after doing that, Sarah Polk lived to the ripe old age of 87.
The name Zhang Qing probably doesn't mean a lot to most people, but if I told you that she was married to Mao Zedong, the father of the Communist Party in the People's Republic of China, that might give you some context. She was like the Evita of China. She started out in extreme poverty, had a short career as an actress and several failed marriages. She then became a radical member of the communist regime, which brought about terror and destruction to China during the Cultural Revolution. And after she married Mao, oh my goodness, she hit her stride. She got all the power that she wanted. Known as the Madam, she managed to climb the ladder of the Communist Party, eventually becoming the leader of the infamous Gang of Four, a group that was thought to be responsible for much of the persecution and destruction that took place between 1966 and 1969. The exact death tolls are not known, but they estimate them at 500,000. And in addition to that, there was the destruction of ancient books, buildings, and paintings. Now, Mao died in 1976. By 1981, Zhang was brought to justice for her crimes. During the trial, she threw her husband, Chairman Mao, right under the bus by saying, I was Mao's dog. I bit whom he said to bite. Zhang refused to apologize for the criminal charges that were eventually brought against her and instead spent a decade in prison before allegedly committing suicide in 1991. Zhang is remembered as one of the most brutal, unrepentant revolutionaries in modern history. In stark contrast to Zhang Qing, Corazon Aquino from the Philippines was a self-proclaimed plain housewife, but she was never a desperate one. After the 1983 assassination of her husband, Corazon Aquino led the Philippines' 1986 People Power Revolution, toppling autocrat Ferdinand Marcos after 20 years of rule. Though Marcos claimed electoral victory, is this at all sounding familiar? Corazon led a peaceful revolution across the nation of the impoverished islands. Emotional supporters came out in droves during a two-week standoff, and eventually the military decided to support her. Aquino became president upon Marcos's resignation. Despite coup attempts and corruption charges, she took significant strides toward democracy, including ratifying a constitution that limits the power of the presidency. Long after stepping down in 1992, Aquino continued to advocate against policies she felt threatened the country's democratic ideals. Though she died in 2009, Aquino remains a symbol of the power of peaceful popular movements. Daisy Bates was a civil rights activist best known for her work on behalf of the Little Rock Nine. Let me explain. Bates and her husband, Elsie Bates, founded the Arkansas State Press, a weekly African-American newspaper that advocated for civil rights. In 1952, Bates became the president of the NAACP's Arkansas chapter, and by 1957, 
Bates fought for the Little Rock Nine, the nine black students who were attending an all-white school as part of the school's desegregation. Bates escorted and advocated for the students amid intense opposition. Today, she is honored by the state of Arkansas with a state holiday on the third Monday of February. Effa Manley also made her mark in history. Before NFL team owners Virginia Hollis McCaskey, Martha Ford, Patricia Rooney, and Norma Hunt, there was Effa Manley, the owner of the Newark Eagles baseball franchise. During a time when sports predominantly consisted of white male owners and athletes, Effa Manley refused to subscribe to gender and racial stereotypes. She made history as a sports executive who co-owned the Newark Eagles in the Negro Leagues with her husband, Abe Manley, from 1935 to 1946. Her team won the Negro League World Series in 1946. However, after her husband's death in 1952, she became the sole owner and was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2006. These women used their voices and refused to be marginalized. Name a woman you know who is not in the public eye, who has her own opinions and makes her voice heard. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Chronicles, capital U-N-L-E-1. Join us next week for more social commentary. Invite your friends and family to come join us and become unleashed. We only get paid when we get played, so hit us up every week. Special thanks to Mixkit and Michael Ramirez C for the Chronicles Unleashed theme song, Scripted Life. This is Donna Edwards signing off, reminding you that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. There is hope for us all.